This episode of Innovations in Education is brought to you by Galaxy Next Generation. Galaxy is a provider of interactive learning technology solutions and school safety products with offerings that range from in-class instructional hardware, such as interactive touch panels and classroom audio amplification systems, to school communication platforms for everyday intercom announcements to instant chat during crisis situations. Their most recent product launch, G2 Secure, enables schools to have fluid communication, both audible and visual, within the building and with first responders to enable immediate threat detection for faster response time during a potential emergency. For more information, check out galaxynext.us. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 ed tech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. In this episode, we examine how younger students in elementary school have distinct needs and challenges when it comes to online learning. That doesn't mean it won't work, mind you, just that there are specific techniques and guidelines that can be employed to make it successful. There are several articles posted to eSchool News this week that illustrate that. Let's dig in. First, Robin Winder, she's the Senior Director of Instruction for Florida Virtual School and FlexPoint Education Cloud, has an essay entitled Five Steps to an Engaging Online Elementary Program. Now, Florida Virtual Schools has been doing this stuff a long time. I've been writing about them since almost last century. So if this is a strategy your district is pursuing, I highly encourage you to read the whole thing. But for now, I'll share just a few of the steps she outlines. Step number one, start with the basics. First, determine the specific goals you want for your online elementary program, she writes. For example, do you want to expand curriculum offerings, provide effective, flexible learning options for students, or build a personalized program that meets student needs? Or perhaps you have multiple goals you want to accomplish. No matter what your program's goals are, determining and discussing them is the most critical factor when launching a new program. Now that sounds like a kind of a no duh, but in a lot of case studies that I've covered over the years, that is not something that takes place before people go headlong into a particular initiative. So step two, she writes, focus on your teachers and staff. Your teachers and staff make the magic, so it's important to focus on hiring staff and teachers who are passionate and excited about online learning. Then it's critical to ensure that they have the resources, tools, and professional development they need to feel confident and prepared to teach in the online learning environment. And then step three, utilize interactive curriculum and instruction. She writes, elementary age students have shorter attention spans, which is why it's vital to provide them with a group learning time, like a live lesson, as well as individual time. This also allows students to have more flexibility in their schedule so they can work on assignments at their own pace or take a break if they need to. Additionally, our teachers provide instruction that requires interaction with on-screen content, such as image markers and tabbed panels, so that students feel like they are part of the lesson. That's good stuff right there. Next, Mary Phillips, she's an elementary STEM teacher at North Shore Elementary, writes about her experiences and one of the biggest phenomenon in education right now in her piece entitled 
six tips to begin an elementary esports program in your school. Again, I'll tease you with a few, but be sure to go up onto eSchool News' news feed to get the full effect. She writes, tip number one, get started, then get better. Like any new venture, eSports is something that takes time to fully understand. As the late Dr. Richard DeFore reminded educators, we have to be willing to get started, then get better. The beauty of eSports is that there's a room full of experts to journey alongside their teacher. This is very true all those beta testers. It is incredibly powerful when the classroom is flipped and students have an opportunity to share their passions and expertise with their teacher. That's a, a really good tip. And, and I've been seeing in more and more of my conversations that student agency is so important and even more important now that the pandemic is over where students were given a chance to participate in their own learning. So the more you do that, the more effective it is. So here's another one. Embed esports into existing curricula. She writes, esports can be a standalone unit. However, collaborative gameplay, mindfulness, team building, and reflection are practices that can be embedded in countless curricular units. I redesigned digital citizenship lessons to provide ample opportunities for students to interact with one another in a digital environment at the same time as they worked collaboratively in real life. So rather than a standalone lesson, we co-constructed classroom expectations to extend how we treat each other to include interactions in digital environments. She writes, I now observe fewer instances of rage quitting, leaving a game angry, tilting, emotional dysregulation, and griefing, which is playing in a way that affects others' gameplay and enjoyment in a negative way. We followed a very basic principle. Video games are for everyone. And one more tip, keep everyone on the same team. Competition in schools has been shown to have a negative effect on elementary age students. While some cultures value competitions, others value collaboration. In elementary esports, inclusion and competition are mutually exclusive. Although students were divided into teams for gameplay, we learned from each other during Farmcraft camp. Teams shared out new strategies and discoveries every day. There was no ranking system, no scorekeeping. Teams set goals for themselves based on performance from the day before. The only player a student should be competing against is themselves. Again, really good specific tips and tricks for the use of not only esports, but other online activities for the younger kids. And finally, while best case scenarios suggest back to school this fall may look like one's pre-pandemic, the way we teach and learn inside and outside the classroom, especially in grades K to five, may never again be the same. What new tools, techniques, and innovations should stick around in primary schools? And in this conversation I had recently, I spoke with Kristen Haberstro. She's the lead teacher at Digital Academy of Florida, and she describes how empathy is key, even more so when teaching remotely. She is responsible for mentoring teachers, supporting learning coaches, and working with administrators and other staff members to improve all students' learning experiences and academic growth. Here's a snippet of our conversation. Kristen, talk a little bit about the younger grades and the dynamics of having a remote setup. A lot of the traditional press has discovered 
remote learning all of a sudden. There still seems to be a lot of skepticism about you know, the younger the student, the more important it is to be in an in-person experience versus remote. But again, some of the data that's coming out is seeing that depending on the student, that many are thriving in, in this sort of circumstance. Can you talk a little bit about your own experiences in that regard? Sure. I am a previous kindergarten teacher, so I am used to dealing with the littles. I love them. I have a passion for early childhood. You know, I think it is so important to teach the teacher. So one of the things that I noticed when I was in the classroom is developing those relationships, just like Stacy said, it was key to my students' success. The other thing is helping them, right? They Most parents don't have the background and, and education to teach foundational reading skills and do some of the other things that we as teachers and educators do on a daily basis. So what I found is the more support that we could give them especially in those younger grades, the better the relationships were and the better the student growth was. So it all relates to one another. And I think that 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 is really key is when you are dealing with primary students, getting that learning coach buy-in, right? So really helping that learning coach to understand the importance of what it is their student is learning, the why behind it, and then encouraging them as their teacher as well, almost like a partnership in teaching mm -hmm. is what I would call it with the teacher, the online instructor, and the learning coach, the parent at home. So that partnership, uh, just like Stacy said, is absolutely critical yeah. in, in making those younger learners successful. So you can hear that entire conversation under the webinar tab at eSchool News with the title, What Tech Should Stay? with the new normal. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eSchool News for all the latest and greatest analysis and news for what's happening in the EdTech space. Thanks for listening. And remember, eSchool is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Galaxy Next Generation and their most recent product launch, G2 Secure. Go to galaxynext.us and get your school a complimentary one-year subscription for its G2 Visual Alert Security Solution, a cloud-based tool that can send visual alerts or announcements to any internet-enabled device within a school or district that disseminates a lockdown message throughout the building within seconds of an indicated threat. That's galaxynext.us.